Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. Now, if you listen to the show, then uh, at this point you've probably heard a bajillion, millions and millions and whatever, uh, recountings about how the war has gone for the previous year. And I thought I'd, I'd make one myself as well, but, um, you know, yesterday I uh, managed to get myself into a bit of an accident. Um, uh, the, the cops are telling me not to talk about this in public, but if you check History Impossible's Twitter, you fi- you'll, you'll, you'll find out stuff. Uh, in short, it's a bit uh, car-related and isn't very pretty. But I'm fine, I can talk and everything. At any rate, I thought that... Um, I'm not going to give you the information that you already probably know. I mean, it takes someone who's actually interested in this war to listen to this show. And if you are interested in this war, then you've probably read all of the all of the possible possible sources of the information about how the war has gone and all the retrospects and everything. And we've done, like I said, many of those. But everyone seems to kind of remember this as a beginning of a great tragedy. And it is. It is a tragedy, for in a way. I've lost people in this one. But it's also a tale of bravery. Let's not forget that a year ago, at the moment as I'm recording this, it's nearly 5 p.m., at this point a year ago, heavy battles were going on in Hostomel Airport, where Ukrainians downed many of an aircraft and fought against the Russian invaders taking the land strip so that they could move in their forces and jump onwards. And it was stopped. I don't want to sing about the tragedy of this war. I don't want to speak about this. I want to speak about the bravery of the defenders. I want to speak about how Ukrainian people have come together. Because there will be many people speak about how this is a tragic event and people have died, and yes, they have. I admit that. But I want to praise a glass, and I have a bottle of Jack Daniels for me for this evening, because I'll be drinking for (laughs) the missing people, of which I have a few, as you know. But no one expected that they'd give a fight. No one expected that they wouldn't just roll over, and they haven't. That's the important part. The war itself? Well, I remember a year ago, uh, an article of mine came out in Foreign Policy magazine, and over there, I already wrote that we all here in the Baltics know that a war will come. We don't know against which country and where, whatever. But after 2008, we just knew that the war would come. And it did. It was not such a surprise here for us. The reaction of the Ukrainians, however, that was a surprise. And although many military experts said that Kiev would fall in 72 hours or something, this did not happen. And we also kind of, at the moment of the recording, it's about three to four hours after which I remember hearing the, by now, glorious words which have now turned into something greater than the men who actually said it. It's, it's the little things. And I'm sulking today and being sad because 
this this year has also been a complete turning point in my whole show. I used to do Soviet history, remember? I used to talk about positive things. I'm going to go back because I actually have a lot to talk about Soviet history since, well, as I now have a proper journalist accreditation and I have more access to documents in various countries, no less, I have actually taken a look at some very interesting stuff from the KGB. No, genuinely. Like, I, once once this whole thing normalizes, I can go back and give you some meaningful meaningful episodes about the KGB and the stuff that they were doing, and they're going to be really interesting. And I wish to do that at one point. But I can't. I can't right now. I had my breather episodes. I have them, and I will have them now and then, and maybe some of the KGB stuff gets in there. But... But for you, and I know that you are mostly American, so... An Australian too, by the way. So, you know, I know you guys because you both are uh, way across the pond from here. But for us over here on the continent, yeah, this war has turned into everything, basically. You might see some normalized news, yes, but it's not like this hasn't... It's steeped into everything. At least here in Eastern Europe. I know everyone who listens to me in Poland knows that... uh, that this is true. Same with the Baltics. So here we are. We don't have a choice. We must help Ukraine. Or, well, someone's going to be next. And about the next, yeah, I'm still waiting on the on the events that are going to unfold in Pridnistrovia, Transnistria. That's an interesting thing. Today's, by the way, I've been extra silent on this, so I can reminisce a bit and talk to you about the whole philosophy of this issue, about how, you know, how it turns out that uh, some people can turn into supermen harder than steel and just overcome whatever is thrown at them. At a terrible cost, though, nonetheless, but still. A year ago, I never even thought that, you know, this would go this far. I honestly thought that Russia is going to invade, but only in the Donbass regions and all that whatnot. Didn't know where the podcast would go. Right now, right now, everything's more or less stable. Calm before the storm. For the both sides as well. Since, you know, in Russia yesterday, in Luznik Stadium, there was this huge party and everything, and the... <laughs> Well, apparently, as I told you before in my previous episode, they paid 500 rubles to everyone who was from the outside from, you know, on their own initiative, totally voluntary, had arrived there uh, to support Putin in the war and everything. But yesterday, they just dragged everyone there. There were grandmas with pro-Putin posters and and, uh, students from various universities who, uh, upon threat of of, of being, you know, thrown out of their faculties and a bunch of government workers upon threats of being fired, they all came there. It was a ginormous festival. Bands played and everything. Dmitry Bedvedev, uh, Dimon, the old alcoholic buddy of our show. I, I don't know why I call them all buddies. It's, I, I suppose it's a branding thing, I suppose. But uh, but yeah, they, they all were celebrating, and Dimon said that he foresees the great Russian victory in the future. And Russia has a lot of power to go into this situation. But um, again, this is about two things here. How Ukraine can win. And let's be realistic here. No one believed Ukraine could win. 
and now they are very close to doing so. Two things are needed for victory. Willpower, and Ukraine has plenty of that. And, well, material goods. That depends on the West. Since, you know, no one could really ask of Ukraine to build their own tanks at this moment. Because I know, I know that if the West gives enough vehicles and, and guns and everything to Ukraine, Ukraine will win this one. They have the motivation, they have the willpower, they just need the means to do it. And although I'm um, quite nonpartisan, especially when it comes to United States politics, I do have to mention the speech that Biden gave uh, a few days ago in, in Poland, once again, because listen to it in full, and I have to say, well, your American Uncle Joe, he seems like a decent person, at least seemed to me. His speech was something that actually Eastern Europe needed at this point. A bit more pathos than, you know, we usually like. But this is the moment when... Also, why, for example, Andrzej Duda is so popular. Over here, the countries next to Russia and in all of our post-Soviet region, all of our leaders don't know how to speak properly. They don't have this panache, this public talking issue. They also are the kind of guys who would give you a recount of year and talk about and reminisce about how everything was a super, was just a terrible tragedy. They like something that you guys, and especially America, but also in Australia, lack. The fact that you focus on optimism. And I appreciate that one. I've learned that from you. And Biden's speech was... That's why it's kind of a bomb here, like a, a bomb in the good sense has exploded, because he said these words about democracy and values in a way that, you know, if, if a Latvian politician or would say something like that, no one would buy it. Because, you know, they're all corrupt and they don't know how to, you know, they don't, they don't know how to deliver a proper speech. They, most, of us are, most of us are introverted, you see. But what Biden did is, you know, even, even if I sometimes dislike some of his positions, he made me believe that he honestly, himself, believes in what he speaks. And that's a quality that I can respect. Like I said, I'm not going to delve into the politics, but I just like felt that he actually believed in this. And he believed in Ukraine when he said that it's been a year since they resisted the aggressor. And that's the part. It's not a year since the invasion started. It's the year since the Ukrainian people proved to the world that they are truly brave. And that they're doing crazy things and they're just doing what they can to defend their homeland. That is the most impressive part. The aggression itself, the war, yeah, that's something to be frowned upon and that's something that we hate. However, you know, I'm not very good at this, the, these, these sort of statements since English is not my first language. Although... You know, I'm making this podcast by now. I'm I'm quite good at this, but there are some still some sayings, for example, that um, don't really have a don't really have an analog here in Latvian, at least. One of them is to rise to the occasion. You don't have it. I I don't know how to translate it to Latvian so that it wouldn't sound silly. But you do, and and sometimes, wow, like who would have thought? Sometimes when the, the Americans actually play their part and stick to their values and are optimistic, it inspires people. 
I know it's crazy, it's illogical, but that's what they do. If, if a European politician would give similar speech, he'd go down in technicalities and all that whatnot. So, you know, hey, even if you dislike Biden, you got to give the man some, some preps here. He might be something that he something that you're used to in your country, but here, his speech, it's been reverberated around in every newspaper everywhere as a message of hope. And like I said, I have no idea how he's been criticized back at home. But, but yeah. So, there you go. This is the war. We've been doing this war, and we'll continue on. I'm back on Apple Podcasts. I wasn't there for a while, so that's good. Twitter has chosen not to unban me despite my all, all of my efforts, but I, I decided to pull my big card and actually, you know, try to get in contact with Dan and stuff. It's, it's a bit weird. Today's a breather day. This is a breather episode also, sort of. We're going to be listening to Girkin, looking at the front, looking at all the data, finding out, you know, the real situation about the planes and the tanks and everything on the front. But for all of you, and I know that you care because you listen to this show, you wouldn't be here otherwise. Remember that this is not the anniversary of the beginning of the war. This is the anniversary of the beginning of the resistance. Of how democracy stood up and despite all the bureaucracy and everything, proved some authoritarian dictator that there's little something that, you know, just needs fighting for. Like I say on my Facebook profile, sometimes sometimes you just uh, <laughs> you just need good men skilled at violence. That's the best defense against evil. And turns out that we do have some of those. So yeah, instead of mourning, which I've done a lot and will do after I get to reminisce about reminisce about all the situation. But now, Slava Ukraina. It's been a year. For a whole year, Russia has not crossed Ukraine. And from what I've seen, they won't either. And, well, if you've also listened to the Russian opposition media who are, I don't know, um, wankering and being more miserable and whiny more than I was when I was 14 and was listening to my my chemical romance. Yeah, that's that's the thing. That differentiates me from the Russian opposition. I have learned from the American people. I know that sometimes, you know, you just have to rise to the occasion and push yourself to perform far beyond one's limits. That's about it. Happiness is mandatory. No other plugs today. Coming with the news very soon.